Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Then we will weaken ourselves for what is really the issue. And then behind that all lies a very personal and human feeling. That I don't think old men ought to promote wars for young men to fight. Alright guys, welcome to episode number 5, I think this is now. Man, we're... We're really moving forward, aren't we? I mean, I don't know if it counts if nobody's listening yet, but sure, we are talking oh, to each I, other I a lot. Statistics, and we, you know, because blog talk radio thing we use keeps track of, of listeners across platforms. So, and we've only just got, gotten on to uh, no, we've gotten a few dozen actually. Whoa, it was about forty oh. last I checked. So, yeah, welcome to episode five. This is Eric Mack <laughs> over there. Is Brett I'm Brett Madsen, that guy. Uh, and, the song uh, you just heard was uh, "False Media" by The Roots. Philly represent. Please yeah, don't sue us for using it. Yeah, chosen, chosen by Brett. Woo. Yes. So <laughs> that going. was one a lame ass woo, and two it was for me. I don't think you're allowed to do that for yourself. Like, yes, I liked a song one time and asked you to play it. Anyway, yeah. what's on today's episode? <laughs> Let's see. So the last episode we did was I, div- I div- we we wanted to do this long thing on the media. And so I divided it into three parts that I thought would each take about an hour. And it turns out uh, the first part we did on social media took about an hour, and well, we, we only got through half of it. So <laughs> we get, see here, what here, happens here's, here's is the second you half. plan it out. You plan it out just thinking of the ideas, and you forget the parts where I'm going to come in and talk about something stupid for ten minutes of our time. You forget that part. I suppose. I suppose. Well, All right, so t- where t- we tangents are healthy. I mean, it's not like this is forced conversation. So, tangents are healthy. <laughs> yes. So the therapist tells me where we where, where we left off. I've gone through the sort of thesis. Now, it was it's not really a thesis. It's just something talked about early on in a in a book that I've been reading called Sapiens about how transmitting fiction is really the ability that separates humans or Homo sapiens from First, other humans, when uh, we basically just came along and wiped all, all the other human species out, which kind of gets overlooked in biology class and, and history class, I suppose. Um, what are those? I can't. So like the Neanderthals were just another type of homo Neanderthals. Oh, I no, think. no, we're going to be spending too much time on this now. When I said, what are those? I meant, remember how I was homeschooled for a lot of years? I don't remember what history or science class are. So, oh, right, yes, <laughs> biology is a foreign concept. Still, I learned more. Yes, good. well, it's it's yeah. I like the thirty thousand foot level. So that's why I like reading books like *Sapiens*. You know, 
as I said, as, as I said in the last episode, recommended to me personally by by President Obama. So he's, he's a friend of the show. Friend of the show. He's a little busy at the moment running the country, but after he's done, we're, we're, we're pretty have him sure we'll book him for, yeah, yes. yeah, absolutely. We'll book him. We'll talk with his people. He'll talk with our people who are us. <laughs> I'll, I'll be your people if you be my people. So it was really the ability to lie, <laughs> basically, basically come up with these kind of causes that are abstract and sometimes not entirely truthful that basically led to the Homo sapiens rise and able to basically coordinate attacks and, you know, basically fight in greater numbers, much greater numbers. If they're all sort of fighting for the same cause, it it was too hard for the Neanderthals, for instance, to coordinate in high numbers because they couldn't do that. (laughs) This is the saddest and grimmest analogy for the 2006 presidential campaign I've ever heard. Yes. I don't like that the Democrats are by necessity Neanderthals. Yes. They could Um, communicate effectively. Like, hey, you over there in L.A., you still Neanderthaling? They're like, oh, yeah. How's it going in New York? Are there things in between? Whatever. (laughs) Yeah, so obviously we are talking about social media generally here in both last episode and this episode. And Trump was able to use Twitter to great effect. We're going to get into that in more detail about how he was able to create a feedback loop, basically holding CNN and all the cable networks hostage, which was comical and then terrifying as he won. But uh, Still terrifying. Still yes. terrifying. Let me, let me walk you through some countries that have state control of their media. Russia. China. China also has state control of the internet. Uh, it's, it's fun times. If you, you, know like those, I, you know what I saw today? On, uh, I saw on, on Ian Bremmer's Twitter that, uh, see, this I follow people I like on Twitter. Foreign affairs columnist in, uh, for Time Magazine. Friend saw, of the show. Friend of the show, yes. Yeah. I, I saw on his Twitter that, that Russia has announced a French language, like state state news. Oh, because Marine Le Pen. Yeah. And he's like, he's like in other news, there's, a, there's an election coming up in France. <laughs> oh, fuck me. Jesus. Okay. Yeah. So they're moving <sighs> on to France's election after ours. Yep. I mean, they already had, they'd already given that party, I forget, it's the National Right Front or something. It, it sounds as far right as it is, but they'd already actually donated uh, millions to them. So. Okay. Whee! All right, so obviously with this election, there was no escaping, even if you weren't on Twitter or Facebook look, looking at you, Brett, yeah. there was no escaping this sense of people just flinging around news stories, some of which may or may not have been factual, may or may not have been biased, but we all got in our corners on this one and it was ugly for the side that lost. I know that was particularly hard to take. A lot of it was for this reason, you know, just because it felt like the the people we lost to were kind of living in a different reality and I'm sure they say the same about us. So, oh, so this is maybe a tangent and yes, something a little that bit come of back a tangent, to all that. Yes. No, 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 no. I'm saying I'm, I guess I'm making a tangent from the tangent. Yes. When you say that it's disappointing, the election loss is disappointing for the side that lost because of the sense that others live in a different reality. That's actually something that's concerning to me. Not that others live in a different reality. That's concerning, I hope, to everybody. Well, now I mean, it's concerning now, to both sides. They just now, now the new like administration and government is, is going to try to make their alternate reality actual reality, which is kind of mm, scary. They're going to try. They're going to try. 
I don't know. I don't. Well, we can talk about that more later. I think they're going to. I think the the top of the administration is going to try and present that reality. Elements of the administration are going to try to turn the country. I think with the president's blessing into Russia, essentially. We're we're going for Russia or China, maybe. And China moves a little too slow. We're going for Russia. And then the Republican leadership, who are actually going to set a lot of policy, are going to try and turn it into their like wet dream of the 1980s, which is not how the 1980s actually went. <laughs> if you will recall from your, your high school wet dreams, uh, when you woke up, you had not actually slept with the hottest girl at school. So <laughs> such as the 1980s for Paul Ryan, I think. But um, yeah. Anyway, so, so that's not what, I, what concerns me. What concerns me is a sense you get from liberal commentators, who I normally really like, that this other alternate reality is the main problem, uh, the, the main thing we have to fear from a Trump presidency. I think there are practical consequences, like validating crazy people and validating the crazy parts of sane people because we all got a little crazy in us and we need to acknowledge that. that that's bad. But the real danger is in the stuff Trump is actually going to do in the real world, which I and I think the danger from him as president comes primarily from his uh, foreign policy <sighs> lack of knowledge. <laughs> there's, uh, there's, I'm not sure there's a, there's a great word for it, but I think that's the more dangerous part. And the thing that the executive branch can change more easily without congressional oversight or with limited congressional oversight. Anyway, that was a tangent to the tangent. We were going to talk about how yeah. the internet markets itself, weren't we? Well, we were first going to talk about a little bit of history of the news media. So, Do it. So a great movie is uh, Good Night and Good Luck from you know about Edward Edward R. Morrow in uh, the 1950s during uh, McCarthyism when uh, CBS News kind of took a stand. I would say those days are kind of long gone. Back in those days, there was one news broadcast, not a national news broadcast, I don't know if they were doing local news back in the 50s or not. Probably not. We should have researched more. Yeah, but it was for 15 minutes, and it might have been huh. commercial-free. I'm not sure. I have to go back and watch the movie. Maybe they're, I can't remember if they were going to commercials or not. But, yeah, it was only 15 minutes, and you know, eventually somewhere along the line it got extend, you know, extended to 30 minutes. And by the, in the late 70s, it was still – I was watching an interview with Dan Rather – uh, Dan Rather was on was on Bill Maher a few years ago, and he was talking about one of the things that he talked about, which sort of struck me, is you know in 1980 or so, maybe a, f- a few years before that, there were 50 national news outlets, and now that, yeah, like <laughs> and now that's basically been whittled down to six in terms of corporate media. Of course, now there's all these. The weird thing about this election, though, is like now that there are all these websites that, you know, aren't owned by anybody that, you know, there's more of these websites, which may or may not be doing actual news. Um, That's not true. Half of them are owned by Putin. Yeah. Well, another thing is that there's apparently a bunch of like teenagers in in Macedonia basically setting up these fake news sites that go viral and get more more traffic than the New York Times. That just had to be the uh, the best summer ever for them. Yeah, but to go back to the <laughs> Macedonia's history, Alexander the Great. All right, hit the snooze button. Hit it again. Hit it again. All right, in 2016, shit's gonna get real. Yeah, we'll we'll get more into fake news in a second. But I, I want to finish this point about how there were f- around 50 national news outlets in like the late 70s, early 80s, 
And then I was watching the CNN documentary miniseries on uh, the 80s. And it was sort of in that decade that the news department got commercialized. And that like suddenly, you know, like, like the news department had like sort of never at that, you know, at these networks had sort of never been like asked to, to make money before you know, who are doing these like nightly news yeah. broadcasts. They were never kind of asked to make money it was, or anything. Here are like a list of facts. Here is a white man with a deep voice to read them to you. Yeah. And so the reason why, so like Tom Brokaw, Dan Rather, and uh, Peter Jennings basically came along on the three main networks and got paid a shitload of money is because suddenly there was, you know, suddenly news was making money. That's why they got paid so much. Whereas before it was just kind of a loss leader where, you know, it was it was more just kind of a public service, and how quaint. Yes, but there's just so much corporate consolidation over the next two or three decades that now it's, there isn't a lot of variety in terms of who owns the news sources, and there's been such a fracturing in terms of that. You know, they still do the nightly news programs. I'm not sure who watches them, but there's seemingly a lot more money in these kind of niche markets whether it's the daily show or whether it's telemundo or you know anything on fox <laughs> yeah i mean fox would obviously be the the prime example of they discovered oh there's a market for this and uh you know there's just the the there's just a huge right-wing media apparatus obviously and this been set up i guess probably since the early 90s more fragmented though yeah. More fragmented than it's been in some time. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. because yeah, because uh <laughs> Glenn Beck was not a fan of Trump. Glenn Beck says that he is partly to blame and people like him are partly to blame for the rise of Trump and he regrets it and he's trying to do the right thing now. I mean Correct. Glenn Beck is still wild if you hear him interviewed. His opinions are still frightening, but that's still a shocking admission from somebody I just thought was like that. I didn't realize he was even in on the joke, which is maybe a lesson for me and other, you know, ivory tower liberals is that there's a lot of savvy in those operations, right? Like I, I often dismiss out of hand. um, Well, really I I dismiss uh, out of hand. I bristle (laughs) anytime uh, somebody tells me Trump is smart and you know, uh, I think it's pretty apparent that he's not really, but his team's pretty clever. Granted, you know, they thought they were going to win they, they definitely made some rookie mistakes in presentation, but pretty clever in some ways. And I think it's it's dangerous for us to just write that off entirely. Well, I think, I think Trump is a lot more intuitive than uh, people give him credit for. I don't think... Including he, me. I, I don't think, you know, if you asked him, you know, what was your strategy here? You know, were you actively trying to create this feedback loop of basically having CNN on and then... Basically being like, oh, the CNN's gotten boring. How about I just inject something new into the news cycle? And then tweeting. <laughs> and then CNN goes into breaking news. And then like, oh, Trump tweets something outrageous. And then Trump you know, watches for about 15 minutes and then tweets and tweets again. Oh, the CNN coverage is very unfair. I'm being treated very unfairly. And then it's, it's like it's just this loop of it's just retarded. <laughs> and it's just I, I cannot stand it. So and. That's sort of. By the way, in the last like few seconds, we've managed to anger everybody. Yes. I've said that I've suggested that liberals, including myself, kind of had our heads up our asses. Then you use the word retarded in the correct way. I will stand by that use of the word forever. <laughs> so we're we're done now. We've we've angered the conservatives. We've angered the liberals. If we were up to forty people, I think we're down to three now. So 
Yeah. Anyway, if you want to if you want to continue for those three people. Right. So I, I I think Trump is actually, I mean, I think he's he's great at working the crowds. I think he's he's great at selling. You know, particularly if you see him like early on in the campaign with uh, with interviews, he's very good at just sort of deflecting objections. I know that from doing selling myself. That he's very good at just sort of plowing through whatever somebody says and just basically flicking their their objection aside because he's you know it's it's it's, it's this thing where he that, that's why he never admits that he's wrong. It's because that's how he because the only way to keep to get the sale is just to keep going, right? It's like don't don't let anything slow you down. Just keep going until you get them to say what you what you want them to say. Well, <laughs> I think it's perfect marriage of his. I still struggle to call this a skill, but I need to. I need to learn. It is, it is a it's a it's a shit skill, and it's a skill for low people. But it is a skill. So he's got that skill, but it's also a perfect marriage of that skill and his personality because he is just a stark raving narcissist. Yeah. Like, like he, that's the part he doesn't control, which is kind of a, like this whole thing should be really funny because everything he says is fucking amazing. It's just whenever there's even a hint that any of it might become a policy proposal, you just, you just shit yourself. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, but it's really funny. <laughs> and I, I, maybe that's hell. Let's, let's throw everything into the pot. Maybe that's an underrated reason why he uh, won is he's funny. He's mean. He's terrible. He doesn't construct jokes. Like he's not saying funny things. He is funny. His existence is funny. <laughs> right, and and he doesn't uh, he does he doesn't take uh, anybody making jokes at his expense with any sort of humor. I mean, there's there's no. no. Again, he's a narcissist. He doesn't, yeah, he doesn't know that he's funny. He knows that he's effective, but the vision of himself. Oh, I mean, it just comes to the fact that he thinks he looks really good, which is hysterical. It's like he's never, you know, he's never seen another person before. That's that's amazing. It's kind of wonderful if he didn't have power. <laughs> that's the danger here. So I will, I will give Trump a lot of credit that I think he's very intuitive about these things, just because he's seventy years old and he's understood how to. Uh, he, I, mean, I just, I just think he has a lot of experience with working the press, doing interviews, and and all this kind of stuff. So I think he's, he's developed a certain proficiency for doing that. I don't, I don't think he's able to, uh, you know, if you asked him what he was doing exactly, like what the strategy was, he wouldn't be able to tell you that because I think to him, it's all just kind of instinct at yeah. this point. But I, I yeah, do, he, I do think he's, that he's, he's like a talented high school running back who never bothers to learn the plays. Cause he knows they can run through everybody. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> just, just, just go like, once you see the whole run through it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And it doesn't worry about the blocking schemes. Doesn't worry about the, what the quarterback's supposed to do. Probably takes the ball from the quarterback when it's supposed to be a fake half the time. And so the hope, I guess, from everybody was that once this talented idiot made it to the uh, the next level, to college, that you know he would get the shit kicked out of him. But it just didn't happen. Apparently, there's no college in American politics. There's there's middle school, I guess, is where we're at. That's as far as you can go. Yeah. Well, I, I was watching this. Um, I, I didn't watch the the actual show i just saw a link on facebook that somebody posted as a bernie supporter i know posted to bernie doing a town hall last night on on msnbc what is where, it with these a thousand year old candidates who just want to keep campaigning <laughs> yeah well it was it was a, it was a town hall with i think it was entirely trump voters was in wisconsin or something is i think how they structured it so 
It was like a room full of Trump voters and, and Bernie Sanders and uh, that guy, Chris Hayes, and, who was facilitating the conversation. And, and so <laughs> they, uh, they were, they were all saying like, no, no, we don't, we don't believe in, in racism or whatever. Like, and no, we don't want Muslims deported or, you know, we don't want, you know, we, we, we don't believe in that at all. And I uh, would never want to have that become, you know, become law. And Bernie Sanders was like, but you, you realize that like Trump was saying this over and over again, that he wanted to, you know, like build a wall, for instance, and do all this other kind of stuff, deport 11 million people and not allow Muslims in. And, and they were, they were, they were all, all of them said, yeah, but he didn't really mean that. I mean, he was, he was just kind of saying that, I mean, and plus, uh, Congress wouldn't let that happen anyway. I mean, there's Congress. And Bernie was like, uh, well, you realize that like I'm actually in Congress and that the Republicans have the majority in both houses. And <laughs> and yeah. uh, and I actually know these people and that they actually do want to do some of these things. Uh, like, don't and, don't make me love Bernie after I came on and say, yeah, fuck Bernie. Don't make, don't make uh, me love well, I can I can find something else uh, that okay good uh, good uh, uh, well it, it's not really relevant to the conversation it, it's a it's wealth hey, quality but if, if I've learned uh, if I've learned anything from this election it's that stubbornly holding to your views regardless of the facts or the outcome of any contest is the only way to victory well, I mean, actually, to finish this thought, this is how this is how they ended the conversation or whatever. The lady he was talking to was like, you know, yeah, we should we should keep Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, education, all that stuff. And she's like, yeah, I mean, we all we all need that. Again, the sort of people who vote Republican who want that stuff, but kind of don't conceive of a way of, of really paying for it. Or they're, they're sort of on board with the with the ideology of. We need to not spend money on that stuff, but we still need it. And can we please have it? <laughs> and yeah. uh, and Bernie was like, "Yeah, I mean, they're basically, uh, you know, what the Republicans are doing is they they have this they have this guise of oh, we're saving Medicare and Social Security by cutting it, right? It's like we're cutting it to a manageable level, therefore we're saving it. So they're they're branding their policy package as oh, we're saving it." And so that's what these people have heard, I guess. And what Bernie told them was, no, actually, they're they're making cuts to what to the benefits that you guys would get. And they they this is something they want to do as soon as Trump takes office. And and then Bernie did this thing where and and so, yeah, you know, the woman was like, oh, well, I don't like the sound of that. And and Bernie then did this thing of like (laughs) he's like, well, over the past, you know, 25 years money has been taken from you and then been given to the top one tenth of 1%. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, I'm like, wait, somebody actually has taken these people's money. I mean, I mean, it's like he's, he's conflating the abstract notion of like, yes, the the money has been squeezed out of the middle class and then shifted over in this like kind of abstract sense to like someone broke into your house. Yeah. But he, but he was was presenting, he was presenting it like, yeah, somebody has been so like the the billionaires have come into your house and broken your piggy bank and single handedly lowered your wages and uh, let and me stifled be clear. your wage growth. 
I don't want anyone listening to this to think that I keep all my money in cash under my mattress. You can't prove it. <laughs> but and I was kind of like, well, that is that is not the same thing. That that to me was just kind of like uh, that was kind of crossing the line. Like you can't just actually say to somebody, right? Like, oh, these these people have actually like punched you in the face and taken your money. Yeah, yeah. And it's like and, there's and, a difference so, between there being so, an inefficient lunch di- distribution, yeah, lunch distribution system, yeah. and everybody in the school, like all the principals, coming out and punching you and taking your lunch money. There, <laughs> there's a difference between those two things. And and but but he actually converted her. It's like and. You know, and he's like, oh, so, so I take it that you are for Medicare and uh, Social Security. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do the, do the Brooklyn accent, like Bernie. You but. just got to do it. Once you get into one of a bad impression, you got to stick it out. Yeah. But, okay. You're you're, <laughs> you're out now. Okay. You, you pulled up. You pulled up. You didn't hit the runway. Yeah. And uh, it's like, I, I take it you want all these things, and she's like, uh, yes. And it's like, uh, okay. And do you think you should pay for it, or do you think the the billionaires should pay for it or whatever. It's like, oh, I think they should because they took the money from us or whatever. I'm like, oh God. Like I just This just, is it just, can't be like this. It can't yeah. be it can't be the Republicans and the person who took over the Republican Party, who is very much not a Republican. Yeah. Uh, it can't be like they joined forces to tell you attractive lies. <laughs> and then the Democratic response is we're gonna tell you our own more attractive lies. It can't be like that. Yeah, uh, I was kind of like, uh, man, like so Bernie, close so far. Bernie, damn it! <sighs> Fuck Bernie Sanders. Yeah, I got. Really, I got to really stop saying me, that. It really, really drives me crazy. The, uh, but like, it's like that is not the same thing. Like, oh, like yeah. yes, okay. In the in the more abstract sense, people getting paid through either wages or or assets and investments, more of that money. Get, that's getting paid out is getting paid out to rich people at a, and that's and that's concerning yes that is not the same thing as well the rich people have just come and just beat you up and taken your money that's just yeah unless like, you're a wells fargo customer that didn't really happen yeah. even metaphorically yeah okay uh, well enough about bernie we said we weren't going to go there and then we went there for like five minutes <sighs> yeah so all right we still haven't <laughs> we haven't really been on the media much in this one History of the media. There used to be a bunch of organizations. Then it got right. whittled down to a few. So money cor- came into the occasion. Corporate consolidation. Equation also, is a word I used to use. Well, it, the thing is, like things consolidated, and then they expanded again. I guess once the once the internet came into play. I mean, if, I guess first through cable, and and then through internet, through various themed websites. You know, so obviously, good example of this that people may be familiar with. ESPN had a site that we both loved called Grantland. That was an example oh. of a themed website that was a subsidiary. Rest in peace. And uh, they still have 538 themed website. And I guess they're still doing the undefeated, um, which I haven't looked at at all. <laughs> but so um, could we could we possibly be any whiter that we just yeah. said we miss Grantland dearly? I read 538 obsessively. But the black website, the undefeated, we're like, we're not even sure if it's still there. We haven't checked. Well, to be fair, the rollout of it took like two years and was kind of a joke. But we just, we we're saw racist this, and I need to accept that. All right, continue. We, we saw the concentration of power as far as who can, who pulled the levers in the media 
in terms of like who who was sort of channeling the information. I mean, it ultimately started with a very few number of puppet masters, right? Where there's ultimately in in the entertainment industry, there's there's basically in in sort of telecommunications industries, I guess what I would say. There are six huge mega conglomerates. There's the Walt Disney Company, Viacom, Time Warner, Sony. I'm trying to think of the other one. Sony's getting out punched these days, aren't they? Yeah. Let's see. I'm trying to think of like I'm trying to think of all the all the lots that they have around. We here. should have made a list. Well, I usually know them offhand, but Columbia um, TriStar. Well, that's part of Sony. I know. Um, I know. Yeah, they're uh, Fox. New, Fox. New, news, news Corporation. Which I guess I guess it's called 21st Century Fox now, but and then there's there's one more. Lionsgate is independent. Summit is independent. Oh oh, NBC Universal. That's the other one. Oh wow, they're yeah. still yeah. I guess uh, the movie so division that, so floated them yeah, the last few years. That's the six, and it's sort of been that way since the since the late 90s. I guess the music industry used to kind of have uh, six. Now it's down to three: Warner, Sony, and Universal. They're not is Warner so well. is EMI Warner now? EMI is now uh, Universal. Oh, okay. <laughs> Shit, shows what I know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. They got folded into Anyway, Universal. few conglomerates for everything. The music you listen yeah, to. Yeah, so, and, that, and that's, just, that's just not a good thing any way you slice it, right? Just, just uh, to have these few, the revenue being channeled through essentially these six different organizations. It's, it's not good for the economy, essentially, because it stifles good. composition. It's not, it's not good for any of us because we can't necessarily get different opinions or see different models of information distribution yeah it's not really good yeah so you had this rapid consolidation uh toward the end of the 90s and then once the internet came into this then you have these uh, an explosion in like blogs and themed websites that were all it it, it podcasts yes it, it became a niche market over the course of the last uh, decade or so, and it became the uh, every, barbecue sauce aisle at yeah, your I mean, local convenience store. Everything, <laughs> everything now is niche. I mean, it's literally gotten to the point where I think the Walking Dead's ratings are down to about ten million viewers a week, and that's like the highest rated show down on TV. To, yes, down to ten million viewers. But there was a time when ER used to get like thirty to forty million viewers a week twenty years ago. Oh yeah, um, did their third episode get like forty-four million viewers or something? It was yeah. something nuts yeah i mean this was i mean it's it's just a huge change in how we do not consume things together anymore you know i mean one of the things i used to love about growing up in the 90s was you know like i'd watch something on tv you know it'd be like a really good simpsons episode and then uh on sunday night and then you know i'd go into school sunday morning or sunday monday morning and uh i went to school sunday morning you're mixing us up yes and i'd be like my other friends who, who would be Simpsons fans, I'd be like, wow, what'd you think of the episode last night? You know, well, and we'd be reliving the episode or whatever. And, you know, it, like that's kind of what we used to do. Whereas I, I feel like now with like the DVR and this like time shifting, it, it's almost like it, it's kind of like, you know, all that relativistic time dilation in uh, Interstellar, you know, where we're all like just kind of on like this different time shift. It, it's 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 weird like we're all 
still physically on earth but like i feel like all of our brains and all of our minds are like somewhere else or something it's like a combination of interstellar and and inception Um, i think i'm beginning to understand interstellar now it was actually an art installation uh it was talking about time and space and the differences and feelings of time and the whole point was that you were only in the theater for uh about two and a half hours two hours and 40 minutes yes and that's pretty long yeah yeah and yet Yet you felt and your brain was convinced you had been in the theater for about four weeks without food or water. Yeah. So that was the uh, the interstellar piece. Yeah. But um, but it, it, it has become I mean, it's just it's weird when, uh, you know, in like social gatherings, when, uh, you know, you're talking to somebody who's essentially from another universe in terms of like what they, you know, because there's no common set of. It's like, well, what kind of shows do you like? Yeah. Um, well, I watched this show on Amazon, and I watched this other one on Hulu. I'm like, I don't even get Amazon and Hulu. Like, I, <laughs> I, and we're well, all, and then you we're have this just whole sort of... slice of America that still watches CBS. Yes, it's yeah. a big slice too. We write it off like, oh yeah, the olds are no. There's like, well, old so again, <laughs> one old people fucking vote. Two, this. There are pockets of the country that are different, and they're not where you think they are. Again, I'm in very blue territory. Like, Philly went, like, 82% for Clinton. And the counties around, even though they're much wealthier, are usually they tilt blue. That's that's the political layout up there. But you get outside of Philadelphia, and, like, I've heard more talk of unions in the last, since I've moved here, than I've heard in my entire life. Like, unions just weren't a thing. They were things that I saw about on documentaries yeah. until I moved here. And now I'm meeting union members and they're season, like season two important. of the wire. Yeah. That's my, that's my relationship to it. I saw a premium cable show <laughs> and that's how I know about them. And now I'm doing things like I pass a bar here. Um, it's even in the, it's even like the hipster zone of the city where you'll still up in Fishtown, You'll still see uh, at least one bar that says union members and local tradesmen proudly welcomed here. Did, are they rejected other places? Like, do they? We don't serve your kind. How do you know? <laughs> but yeah, you uh, and in this in this world, like things that I just didn't think about happen. People love Allstate commercials. If you get out into like Bucks County, with the, like you know the things that the you Dennis, fast forward, Dennis the Beeper King guy. In them? No, no, no. I think he. Oh, that's Allstate. Oh, you're right. Uh, State Farm. So I went to a oh, Halloween okay. party in with, Bucks um, County with what's his name, the bald guy. No, that's Farmers. How do I know? Oh this? yeah. Wow. <laughs> How do I know Man. this? But I didn't know the major conglomerates. <laughs> I watched too many football games. But yeah, while the rest of us are, aside from the occasional NFL game, not watching commercials anymore. I, I mean, we we're getting advertised to constantly, but it's through Facebook. You know, we're we're not actively watching commercials. Out in Bucks County, half you know, a second away from supposedly urban liberal Philly, which I mean, it is both those things, but it doesn't have the connotations you would think. I, I went to a Halloween party where a guy was dressed as Jake from State Farm, who was apparently a character in a commercial for State Farm. Wow. Yeah, like that's a world at the same. I think it was it was the same group of friends, like at a, at a different party. Someone was like, there was an argument about whether this joke that they were reciting was from Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo, one or two. Oh Jesus! 
There was a sequel to it. Yeah, Euro- European ju- Gigolo. Yeah, I remember. I mean, I saw it at the <laughs> at Blockbuster. That's how long ago it was. But yeah. Wow. Yeah, like so. So you read all these stories. I guess getting tying us back to the meaning thing. You read all these stories, in especially in the very patrician New York Times, which I do love, but it's fun to knock them for this about how the world is changing. They just they don't have the things they used to, and the economy now lives here. And it's just for a lot of people, it doesn't happen that fast. Like there's yeah. this whole other world. There's this whole like, and you might think that uh, you know people just like different movies than I do, but it's it's a whole way of doing comedy that essentially doesn't happen except for holdovers from that era anymore like really long setups really like big obvious uh gratuitous punchlines that's it people just don't kind of right. do that cbs anymore. cbs sitcoms right right with right. a laugh but track not, <laughs> but people still like that and the thing that's dangerous is when you live in these different bubbles when i say people still like that now some of these people are my friends and that's good i think that's really really healthy i mean i'm not gonna enjoy all the movies they like but it's good for me to get that perspective we're getting to the point where we have these online bubbles that manifest in real life where people who like a different style of joke than you probably vote a little different than you and then you you, you just kind of don't talk to them anymore <laughs> and you live this entirely separate reality and it just can't go on like that. It can't go on like that because if the nation functions like that, it'll stop being a country. Yeah, I, I just don't remember there being this divide on on politics. I, I just don't remember it being, I mean, I was young in the 90s, but I just don't remember people talking about it that much. You know, I just, I, I don't, you know, it was just like people were people and who cares what your politics were, you know? It's oh, like, well. oh man, this is interesting. Okay, so... The biggest mistake, uh, this is going to be broad, one of the biggest mistakes that any person or collection of people has made in the last uh, 50 years, at least in America, is the weaponization of the evangelical Christian vote. Okay. Evangelical Christian voters, evangelical Christian voters didn't give a shit about politics. They're like, these, these guys, they live in Washington, they got their, their suits and their finery, and it's just, it's just not Christian. Which, I mean, depending on your interpretation of the Bible, is kind of right. Um, and so they kind of did their own thing. And you started through the 70s and then really strongly in the 80s. You started getting to the point where, well, no, if you're Christian, you have to vote this way. And that way was Republican. And so, so I grew up in the 90s. And, man, I heard a lot of sermons about basically why it's a sin to vote Democrat. Really? Um, okay. Oh, fuck yeah. Like, like we're, these are not mainline denominations, okay? This is not like it's an Episcopalian church where there's a guy, he gives a homily that he's given for a thousand years. Hey, hey, it's, and, a, it's a sermon. We call it a sermon there. Oh, an Episcopal church. All right, yes. Catholic then, homily, whatever. The One of the liturgical ones. Like, there's no liturgy. There's, there's you, you do, you sing some terrible music, and then a guy talks for an hour. And there are a couple of different versions of this. There's the, like, oh, man. I mean, this, this is difficult to describe. The Where I grew up, I mean, the church I grew up in when I was younger was it, it was it was the physical manifestation of the things that you're now seeing on Facebook. I have a book that I think is still in my childhood bedroom. If my mom hasn't like burned that bookcase yet, I have a there's a book on that shelf called "When in the Course of Human Events: Colon, The Case for Southern Secession." Whoa, 
I swear to Christ. <laughs> I was given a biography of oh Stonewall Jackson by the Southern theologian R.L. Dabney, and I dropped I, it. The guy the is guy it okay that I don't know who that is? Oh fuck yeah, it's okay. That you don't know. This. Okay, those, those were. Uh, I mean, Stonewall Jackson's. Uh, I know who Stone. Important. Yeah, I know who Stonewall Jackson is. Just not the if theologian. You don't know who R.L. Dabney is. One, it means you probably have a life. Uh, two, it means you're not super into like his random thoughts on why the African needed to be domesticated oh, by the Jesus. white man. Yeah. No, th- there's a long segue on that. It's like. Like the, the first chunk of the book, which is the only part I got through because I was kind of horrified, even at that age, was was this bit where Dabney is like, "So Stonewall, a lot of people are coming around with these crazy new ideas." He's writing after the war uh-huh. um, that slavery isn't so cool, and Stonewall wasn't the best person who ever lived because he owned slaves. And to that I say, and you know, there's a lot of words, a lot of Faulknerian length and verbiage without. Faulknerian wit and construct. Uh-huh. Uh, and at the end of it, you get like, they're black. We had a house train them. So the way to do it was to <laughs> kidnap them and whip them. And that was good for them. Oh, God. Yeah. So these were things like this world existed. I just didn't think it was going to get as kind of mainstream as it's gotten. One of the things that's wildly underreported about this election is that Trump, Trump, thrice married baldly amoral trump got two percent more of the evangelical vote than mitt romney did oh well yeah. i i noticed it was uh it was trending that way i um, I, I, was, I was sort of holding out hope that how, you know how does this guy who's quoting two corinthians i mean it's so obviously not a <laughs> holy man Oh, I like, love the like one how, where he said how, that he's never like, felt how, sorry like, why, for anything. Why that would evangelicals? Beautiful. I mean, wh- I mean, I could understand how they wouldn't like Hillary because, like, they don't seem to uh, appreciate well-to-do women. But women in power is bad. Also, pantsuits. I like can't stress enough how much they hate pantsuits. I can't explain it. It's just there. Okay. I lived in it. They don't like pantsuits. Okay. <laughs> Keep that in mind. But I was, I was hoping that, like, yeah, that they were just not going to vote. For uh, for Trump, I mean, I, can, I knew they weren't going to vote they for Hillary, did. but yeah, oh god. Oh, I should be clear: it's possible that there was some depressed turnout. I don't think there was, but the when I was saying he got two percent more, I meant the share of those who voted. Uh, I think that's what I got off the. Well, Trump got about sixty-two million votes, I think. And so yeah, he, he got he got he got slightly the, more than Romney. So uh, overall, and Clinton yeah. got sixty five now. Like she's approaching Obama in twenty twelve. So isn't it crazy? After we yeah. were, the the night after or the day after the election, when we were uh, like I was hungover for about a week, you were more sober about it, which I think was to the detriment of your health. <laughs> uh, yes, you were. We we were both saying like there wasn't enough turnout. There wasn't enough turnout. Uh, and there wasn't. The population has grown since 2012. Well, also, um, 40, the 45% of the electorate, the electorate who didn't vote, uh, fuck you. Seriously. Like, just freaking vote. Yeah, vote. I mean, that's that's harsh because I this was my first election voting. So, well, <laughs> but you had, it's a, in the previous two elections, you had uh, two competent cam- candidates. Um, that's true, so yeah. You knew somebody, people- somebody reasonable was going to win. 
even a lot of people who voted against Trump, not all of them, but many people who voted, and I mean that, against Trump, like didn't like Hillary, weren't into it. I think there's a relative minority who thought that Trump is a true existential danger to the United States. But he is. Yes. He just is. Like the policies he wants to pursue are the antithesis of everything that the country has been built on. He wants to be a strong man. He wants to be like Putin in Russia. He wants to give other barons, essentially. He wants to be king and have uh, aristocracy. And he also wants to intimidate and take wherever he sees fit overseas. And he doesn't mind shutting the lights out in the rest of the world to do that. I don't mean he's going to launch a nuclear attack. I mean, he doesn't really care about interacting with other countries if it doesn't seem like it's going his way. On a personal level, like a one-to-one, if he doesn't like the person who's in charge of your country, even if there's no true person in charge of the country because it's like a republic or (laughs) constitutional democracy, if he doesn't like the person he's dealing with, he might just not want to deal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. (sighs) Anyway, this is the sort of thing that happens with bubbles. Yes. And a lot of bubbles, to to take it back to the media, I mean, these are sort of media. I don't know if the, the media sort of shapes these bubbles, but definitely kind of closes people in. I would say that, yeah, the media does play that role of, of kind Ooh, of... when you're saying the media, we, we talked about this way at the beginning of okay. part one of this thing. The media, do you mean news organizations? Traditional news organizations? What are we talking about? Yes. But, you know, also, yeah, I mean, there's also the, the other pop culture ap- apparatus that I guess could apply as well. Because uh, know, knowing you growing up in the evangelical bubble, I don't think you were exposed to the pop culture bubble not bubble but mainstream whatever right the way that you know everyone else in america is right there people talk about the death of the monoculture but i never experienced it i learn about it later yeah like people are like yeah everybody watched the same shows i'm like i wasn't allowed to they were i got in trouble for watching power rangers as a kid whoa i went over to my name oh man i went over to my friend danny's house i still remember this it still bothers me and Danny was like, come on, watch it. I won't tell. You know you want to see it. And I did because it was fucking Power Rangers. Yeah. And so we watched We watched the shit out of Power Rangers. And I like felt weird whenever the pink one showed up. I'm like, I don't know what these feelings are, but I feel them. And then we went home. And before we even got to my fucking house, Danny yells at my mom, he watched the Power Rangers. I got sold the fuck out. Wow. Danny, wherever you are. Fuck you, man. Wow. <laughs> that was cold shit. So the the media we can we consume broad, more broadly than, than the news does kind of reinforce the boundaries that we've put up to kind of re, to sort of wall ourselves off from each other intentionally or not. I mean, to, to some degree, there was always this, you know, there, there was always a sense of counter programming, you know, like you'd see Tyler Perry movies coming out when we were in college. And we would just kind of we'd, we'd kind of laugh and be like, "Well, that's for uh, yeah." I guess they they still do that sort of patronizing mo- movies for black people thing. We're gonna do it like a regular movie, except we're gonna take out all the parts that are good. <laughs> yeah, um, but and this and this is where that kind of attitude can get you in trouble. At, at least as a politician, like I'm proud not liking Tyler Perry movies. That's that's an easy call for me. But people love that shit. And when you just say, oh, only dumb people or only people who aren't educated, that's the worst one. Yeah. Um, using Tyler Perry as a stand-in for you know, various political shows or ideas, it can get really dangerous really fast. Like, 
people can be good American citizens and still watch Deuce Bigelow too, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't make them bad people. And we, and you and I are, are as elitist when it comes to art and I was going to say commerce. I don't know why the two go together, but um, <laughs> you do hear that together, right? Art and commerce. Yeah, yeah. We are elitist fucks. I will. I will grant yeah. you that. And maybe we're coming to grips with the danger that when you take that stance outside of the realm, it's useful for. Yeah. Fareed Zakaria was talking about either this week or last week. I can't remember now. But he was saying that a lot of the Trump voters who sort of come from this era of making things and everything being a product that you can you know hold in your hand and that you would actually make and that, that would sort of be the 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 pride in their work or whatever it was being a part of making things and they just they have this distrust of this information age that has led to people making money from basically manip- manipulating words and numbers around on digital pieces of paper on computer screens. And yeah, when you say it like that, it sounds as silly as it actually is. <laughs> yeah. And I think a lot of people, I mean, like they they want to sort of retrain these people, but they sort of resist and they could, because they're like, uh, that's not what we do. We we make things. And it's, it's clearly Trump was able to tap into this um, better than we thought was possible. And for some reason, they view Hillary as... I guess because she's a lawyer or something that she they they probably find patronizing the whole sort of college educated class who talks down to them frankly a lot. Well, we're in danger of doing that right here. So I'll just yes. say that the the they yes. mean um I'm I'm not afraid that, that, to talk that's down what I'm to trying to say. I'm trying to, I'm trying to say that. that like I I'm trying to own up to that right now that I don't yeah, do yeah. A, a great job of that. Um well, so, and sometimes one of the- I yeah. I do say the, things that I shouldn't say about um, people that are good Americans and are, are perfectly deserving of our respect. Yeah, there's one of the problems that we have with this whole thing, which I'm very guilty of personally, is the sense that, oh, they live in the wrong states. They're interested in the wrong things. And they're all the same. Right. <laughs> like, like there are a lot of people who do are mistrustful of the new age we've entered into. And many of them are mistrustful because they grew up in something different. But that's we're talking about a lot of different experiences here, different types of people. Well, let, let's get yeah. to the, the sort of product versus content thing, because I wanted to talk about that. How All right. it. we've this is sort of an observation I made when I first started working at a digital marketing agency a few years ago. But I had sort of now this is this has sort of become a lot more kind of self-evident but at the time it wasn't it's just we've, we've transitioned to everything being a product like i was saying a few minutes ago and you know labor was for the most part even if you were writing a news for a newspaper right you you wrote something but it would end up as part of an end product that you would hold in your hand and somebody would give you money for that for that thing that you would hold in your hand <laughs> yep and now We've been transitioning to basically most things, basically everything in the media, even the broader media sense, not just news, but the media, including this podcast, is content. And 
It is not something you hold in your hand. It is not something you always charge people money for by default, right? And it was, and that was, it was like, are we no, not was, getting paid for this? Yeah. It was, but it was, it was, you know, no exceptions, right? It was, we lived in this world where yeah. if somebody would, somebody had a CD that they would say, like, like, yeah, this is our new CD. It's, it's out. You know, you can, if you go, if you wander through the endless aisles at Tower, Tower Records, you can find it in there. And I'd be like, wow, cool. And like, you're, you're willing to give me that for free, a free CD, you know, and because there was, there was limited access to, and so whatever, you know, now we live in this surplus of content where, <laughs> you know, you're not interested in the CD in that aisle. You're interested in all the tower records. And if it takes you even the time it would take to go to a physical tower records, you say, fuck it. Yeah. I just want music of some kind from a source that is fast and easy. And it's it's much 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 more efficient uh, a, a way to deliver the actual content of what used to be included in the product to the end user. But the problem is it's uh, so cost, crushing. Cost effective to do that. And because so many people can do it at once that the demand for the inherent what used to be the product a CD in this case basically goes down to nothing. You know, the commercial viability of what used to be entire industries and, you know, jobs that people would have, you know, the, it's all, it's been, you know, I always see like, you know, newspapers or magazines laying people off and it's kind of depressing because they do good work. And it's a very unstable time right now. And, the thing that I wanted to get into as far as how this sort of works as a business is that this, it's still structurally kind of the same. It's still back when you had a newspaper, it was you made money by ads and subscriptions. It's still pretty much the same way now, right? I mean, you make money from ads yeah. or if, you, uh, if you're popular enough, you can charge a subscription fee. But I think is this is entirely intuitive. So I, I'd like to see some actual numbers on this, but I think that's slowly, slowly, slowly starting to come around subscription fees. Yeah. And subscriptions are like way more valuable than, than ads. Sure. So I wanted to get, to get back to the, to the fake news thing I was, I was referencing earlier in uh, Macedonia. So I was, uh, I was watching cable news as I sometimes do the other day. And this was somebody who do every day. Yeah. This was somebody who was based in the U.S., but he put together uh, he's he's put together a, a fake news site that looks exactly like the Huffington Post, and you know he, he was just he was just being entrepreneurial about it, where he you know would, would just put together these intentionally fake stories that would go viral on on social media, and there was this one article about about Hillary that. I can't remember what it was about specifically, but it was about Hillary that um, generated eight thousand dollars in uh, advertising revenue. That's a lot from, of views from all the hits. And but but you know what he said? He said that he's not going to get any of the payout out of it because Google looked at his site, determined it was a fake news site, and said you violated the terms of service. <laughs> so he's not going to get uh-huh. anything. So uh, there's some hope there that I mean Google's not obligated to they don't have to do that they're just kind of doing that as a service 
to Which, try to try to cut down on this shit. But more more of these things need to happen. I mean, you you can't assume that everybody is going to be just nice to each other. That's essentially how the world has never worked. Yeah. We started this thing talking about how our branch of humans murdered all the other branches of yeah, humans. Yeah, it was basically that was our, that was our, it was the first uh, genocide, basically, literally. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're like, hey, we're like this. We don't like the rest of you. Wow, uh, that that the the horror of so many so many cavemen. I'm not again. I miss biology class. Yeah. Uh, so many cavemen getting murdered by dudes who are like, we just don't like you here. Uh, consume me. You can't trust people to just do the right thing because it has essentially never happened. Our uh, our species got started by us murdering all the other species that were like us. But we we do have to rely on it a little, especially in times like this. There, there's there's been this talk recently in recent years that troubles me that that conflates any capitalist system with carte blanche to just fuck people over relentlessly for whatever your end goal is which isn't even necessary concrete money sometimes it's investment money whatever it might be and the idea is that we can't stop it that's just the market i mean <laughs> the markets involve all of us so what google's doing there yeah and it, like they're not legally obligated to but they uh, absolutely ought to be doing that sort of thing and i, I mean and it goes for all these platforms, and it goes for us as individuals. Well, you know, and the other the, the other thing is like, okay, if 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 say you know Bing then starts a PR campaign saying, look what Google's not doing, look what they're not willing to do, they're not willing to you know stop paying out you know revenue to people on these fake news sites. You know, all it would just take a competitor basically running a PR campaign or a national commercial campaign. I mean, Microsoft has the money. And then everyone would would say, "Oh, fuck you, Google!" And then they they'd move with their feet. They'd vote with their feet, as the expression goes, and start using Bing instead of Google, and their market right. share so, would go down. So, so it is in their import- interest to do that. Huh? Okay. Well, that's just depressing, then. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's going to be up to you know, if Facebook has been looking into uh, you know these fake news. They, Twitter needs to take Donald Trump off of Twitter. Yeah. How fucking effective would that be? Just cut him off well, of the balls. He probably <laughs> wouldn't have won if Twitter if Twitter had done that. But uh, what if they do it now? How will he yell at people? Well, somebody would start a new. That's the thing. Somebody would start a new identical yep. site, yep. and Trump would just join that. And it's just yep. the thing is like once you already have the following. Uh, it doesn't really the the method sort of doesn't really matter. It's just Twitter's the, <laughs> the most companies efficient. are kind of at your mercy. Yeah. So to go back to the sort of overall theme of this particular episode, which is the business and the marketing of content and media. Now, w- once we have entered this world where the supply of content is is effectively infinite. All right. It is it is not actually infinite, although. More content is is created and then uploaded onto the internet every forty eight hours than than content was created from the dawn of time to two thousand three. So there's just a shitload of content being created and uploaded onto the internet. And if you made a list of all the even quality content or content that you would enjoy, and you know all the stuff that you would want to watch movies, TV, whatever. You would not have enough time to actually watch all of that. Everything that everything that 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 exists that is possible for you to like 
you would not be able to consume all that content. So that's kind of which is why it's all the more amazing when you're browsing through Netflix and you can't find anything you actually want to watch. Well, as an aside, Netflix is actually moving toward being just just exclusive content. That's that's why they don't have as much stuff as they used to. Um, Fuck them. Yeah. So they're just going to be like a network, but streaming. Um, yeah, I mean, everybody will be eventually, I suppose. Yes. And, HBO is uh, already doing that. Isn't that funny that, that Netflix started as a thing where they're like, we'll mail you DVDs of Casablanca. And now their goal is like, we just want to be HBO. <laughs> we want to be the thing that already was, but you press a button on your computer instead. So I, the reason why I, I want to keep focusing on this is because it's, it's super important when you ask the question, you know, when, we, when we all ask, ask the question, how do we create news, good news, and like effective, correct news, whatever that means? Reflexively, when you said good news, I thought you meant the gospel, but yes. carry on. <laughs> oh, God. That's, um, that's what it means, buddy. I'm telling you. But, you know, how do we basically have this system we used to have or how do we create a new system where we have some we have a we have an effective news system again in this age of infinite content of infinite selection of that content of, of that content how do we with make news? with so with social media where everybody's in their own kind of but everybody basically selects everybody has a custom news feed now that's tailored to them you know it's a which is really cool but it, it's as we see here it has its downsides you know you basically create the reality you want to live in regardless of whether you actually live in it or not yeah gutenberg's so printing the, press the, the facebook news yeah. feed same the, thing the question so so but it's like how do we do this is is the question i just keep coming back to i mean do you have an idea because i really don't i mean the 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 essential idea is that you need enough people who actually care about this shit, meaning the facts and careful analysis of them, which will often <coughs> be boring. Like even if well written, yeah. a lot of like uh, the the thing uh, we talked about the other week when we were uh, prepping for this one is I said, have you read any of the Panama Papers? Because you know I sure yeah. have happened. You know I haven't I haven't gone through that that trove of enormous trove of documents. So we need people who are willing to do that. And we need uh, people who are willing to read the summaries of that, even if they are extensive and uh, and tough. And we need the people who are willing to read the summaries to pay for that collection of data. I just don't know that there are enough people who care to do that. Yeah, and so the part we haven't really talked about, so I, I was watching, uh, this, this was on uh, Reliable Sources, uh, Carl Bernstein was on, and he's he's on like, Every other week, it seems like. But um, <laughs> he was saying, like, we need more good reporting. We need more people uh, going into journalism and going out there and reporting on stuff. And I'm just kind of th- this is why I want to talk about the business and the marketing aspect of, of, of news, because to me, that's missing the point. That doesn't help anything. Yeah, I think there are because, a lot of underemployed because, or underemployed, talented reporters out there already. Yeah, because the, the problem with that assessment is and you know he's he's old and from the old guard so i wouldn't expect him his suggestion to be anything different but the problem with that assessment is there's like the market the slice of the pie that you know people there are 
a, a certain percentage of the population is interested in reading good reporting and good news, quality news. <laughs> but most people aren't. Most people want to get their news from YouTube, Facebook, or word of mouth, Twitter. And it's there's this uh, distortion process where even if somebody you know accurately reports typically on a local level you know the news and just like okay the, this event happened these are the facts blah 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 this is by the time it, it gets to you just because it's more entertaining to read or, or consume news that is kind of spun in a particular way that you like or you know uh, you know we don't tend to consume news directly from the source that's probably the first problem but there's the solution isn't the, the problem is it's like the, it's, it's it's not marketable enough to to say to people like oh go go and read the these reports which normally are just are just kind of boring like they just they can't compete in this sort of inform this entertainment era infotainment era i suppose and to be um, fair to us the civilians uh it also would take a lot of time yeah like so going back to the panama papers example even if i decided you know what it's my responsibility as an educated citizen of the world to go ahead and sift through these documents. Uh, I likely wouldn't understand a lot of it because you know, most of them are going to be legal documents and banking statements, and I'm not technically trained in those fields. So I might not even see what's important about them. Yeah, and so to address the sort of marketing aspect of it, so whenever, obviously, when you create content in this era, there's basically two different sets of rules. One is if you have a brand that exists already attached to the to the content, and the other is if it's unbranded. And so my brand is uh, Mad Dog Colognes. Yeah, it's for, dogs. it's for dogs. I mean, obviously, if it's from if a piece of content is from CNN or New York Times or whatever, it's just there's going to be a built-in audience, certain assumptions about what the what the content is going to be. Etc. Etc. If you are sort of starting from scratch, which I guess a lot of people are, or we're sort of trying to figure out how do we start from scratch again, like as a society, when it comes to news reporting or news in general, the thing that we sort of have to keep in mind is, and the thing is, like when it comes to reporters, reporters are faceless, so nobody reads a reporter's article because they love the reporter right, right. it's like there's no right. brand there's no branding involved as the far as the tone of goes. the reporter's article there is some branding but i mean the tone of the reporter's article the branding there the True. the style is determined by the organization that they report for right so the thing that that makes almost no sense to anybody i, exp I explain this to until i get to a certain point is when you're creating content as an unbranded uh, content creator, you have to keep this in mind. The people that you're trying to get the content, uh, consume the content, they don't care about your videos, your articles, your ebook, you know, whatever, whatever it is, you know, in terms of... My uh, ebook is a work of passion and art. Yeah, well, I mean, sometimes... I'll fight you. One of, my, one of my friends told me he's like writing a... Five, like he's, he wants to write like a like he told me like 500 page book on on 
on marketing and i was like well how does he have the page count in mind that's absurd <laughs> i don't know i i didn't understand that either but okay i, I was like well, well it's uh, okay so how are you going to get people to read page one right and that's what it comes down to for yeah. each piece of content you create and yeah the thing is whenever somebody buys something they don't this is going to sound like voodoo but even if somebody goes to a barnes and noble sees a book and buys the book they don't actually want the book they still don't care about the book what do they care about they care about the value they perceive the book will give them so even like you know the book is really just a bunch of pages tied together you know bound by a hard i mean it's just let's it, not get it, into book construction here right but, books are made somehow but literally they it's it's not it's not about whenever you're creating anything it's not about sort of the physical construction no it's it, it's not about it's not about what it is it's about what um it's about how other people perceive it and what it'll do for them or sort of what 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 people will get out of it if they look at it consume it whatever and so this explains axe body spray yes so it just it just seems like well if the if you take carl bernstein's lead and say like oh well we need more reporters out there uh, you know doing good reporting and this kind of stuff well it's like i i don't see why anybody i mean i, I just i don't think that's how we consume news anymore yeah i don't think right. people care about that i mean you and i may care about that but well well we might but even i have to put my mind where my mouth is i read more commentary yes i, like I do too I because it's just yeah. more interesting right like but i i want an events wire right i want i want trustworthy sources saying hey this is what happens today but then i'll scan that i won't even read it too thoroughly i'll just get the get the thrust of the events and then i'll move over to well my go-to's are 538 in the atlantic those those are the things that I read mostly. They're not news. They're commentary. I mean, five thirty eight sometimes is actually news, but uh, mostly commentary. And that's that's what I read. I don't know what's to wrap this one up. What's yeah. your what's your uh, idea? What do you think? What do you think can be done? Because we need great reporters, but no one is interested in that itself, right? No one's interested well, in that write up. We could see a lot more people sort of want to become journalists, I guess, just because the thing is, I think, I think the answer is, I think all the news organizations and particularly the TV networks, when we, when we talk about that in the next episode, they're going to realize that they got played that they sort of, I, I think what, what's probably going to happen is this is going to be like a Nixon, like uh, presidency. And I think there's, it's going to take good journalism to sort of bring Trump down. And I think there are going to be a lot of people who want to do that. Also like a few willing Republicans, like Jesus Christ guys, come on. The oh, country's at stake. You I get think, to install your own guy when he's kicked out. Come on. Well, I think uh, John McCain is uh, making noises uh, about Thank uh, Mitch the, McConnell, the, the secretary of state. Cause yeah. Yeah. Mitch McConnell's making some noise about it. Lindsey Graham, is making noise about it, which is really good to see. Uh, yes. Mitch McConnell sort of got strong-armed into it. He clearly doesn't care that much, which, I mean, this is a discussion for another time, but well, what exactly does Mitch McConnell fucking care about? Because <laughs> uh, it seems like he sacrifices... He, he cares about coal in Kentucky. 
Yes. It seems like he sacrifices everything that he might be expected to believe in for the sake of political clout. What does he want to use that political clout on? <laughs> like, all he seems to want to do is to sell out to solidify his position so that he can sell out again to solidify his position so that he can sell out. It's very confusing. Yeah, why isn't he more interested in solidifying his species of, amphib- of amphibian as, uh, as legit? A species of amphibian? Yeah, doesn't doesn't he look like an amphibian to you? It looks like. Uh, okay, so uh, Stuart back in the he day, looks like had, um, uh, he looks kind of like the um, Admiral Akbar on uh, Star Wars. Oh my god! Return I stepped on your punchline again. This is a good joke. I like this one. I'm confused because John Stewart always had him as a turtle, so I'm just I just got oh, used okay. to that. But you're right; he does kind of look like more like Admiral Akbar. Anyway. I don't know. I'm still out of answers. It's going to be tough. We're going to have to kind of see. It's hard to know right now, but it, we're going to have to see how it's literally the, impossible how to the know. Trump. It's hard um, to even guess. Yes. I guess it's, but it's, it's going to be hard to until Trump actually takes office and we see what happens. I don't think the Trump presidency is going to be as bad as uh, I, th- I thought it was on election night in terms of I, I, I am pretty frightened. Well, sure, I'm frightened as well, but I don't think in terms of, well, first of all, on election night, I was still thinking that, like, oh, this was a white lash, as Van Jones put it, and, like, oh, my God, where did all these racists come from? Because that's how the media was selling it. But I was kind of terrified. Interesting thing, I was thinking earlier today about how there's there, there needs to be more transparency it's weird because we have all this kind of access with what's in terms of social media, but there's 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 going to be less transparency. Well, if Trump's you, already you, ditching catch, his yeah. press pools. Yeah. And the press, by the way, those press pools are covering this in the wrong way. They're saying, look how insulted and affronted we are. Instead of saying, this is dangerous because it means that no one's going to be account able to account for what he does. Which is an important part of his job. Yeah, it's like no, nobody's even going to. Re- yeah, nobody's even going to record the facts of what happens in terms of what he does. Yeah, and I mean that's exactly the way he wants it. Which uh, maybe he wants it that way. I mean, he definitely likes attention. I think my guess. This is very, very outside looking in. My guess is that that's the Steve Bannon play. Hmm. That's that's my guess. He, I mean, he's the guy who lets Trump go crazy so that he can say all his all his shit, spew it left and right. And then, um, but he ultimately wants uh, secrecy, and he's he's a guy who believes in the the recent Russian ideal of spreading so many stories about so many different things with so much hate that that you'll just feel bad. I mean, Bannon was the guy who told Trump to he pushed him and said, "You know what? Do it. Your instincts are right." When Trump wanted to bring out the uh, that's something I uh, never want anyone to say to Trump. <laughs> But he was the one who told him that he was right to bring out the accusers of Bill Clinton before that second debate. Oh, and, God. And the idea the idea that we all had, uh, we all had, <laughs> we the uh, cocky liberals had at that point was that this would make Trump look bad. But it, what it did was it made everyone feel bad. And if you feel bad enough, you're not sure exactly like where the source of the badness is coming from is the idea. And it works. I mean, that's that's yeah. Putin's whole gambit, and that's how that's how Bannon sees the media: is you throw them enough shit that everyone just feels bad, and they turn to solace to a strongman, for solace to a strongman. That's that's the idea. Wow. Yeah. Well, on that happy note. Yes. 
We will get into answering that question. We've, I think we've sort of beaten uh, social media to death. We didn't really talk, talk that much about virality, which I wanted. We can get into that uh, in the next episode. But, well, it'll um, work out because we'll be talking about, about uh, more traditional media sources and virality also plays there, actually. <laughs> Something yeah. happens in social media and then they start reporting on it. So. I, I, I don't. It's just I, I, I noticed this was starting to happen a few years ago when uh, it was when Whitney Houston died. And Don Lemon was, was sitting there on CNN literally with his phone reading in his Twitter. hands, reading tweets from famous reading people. Twitter, yeah. from the, like, he was like reading his Twitter feed. He's like sitting there. Like, oh, 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 hi guys. Uh, this is some. Oh, somebody. Oh, somebody just said this. And it's like this is not news. I'm sorry, but yeah, we'll get into that in the next episode. And I can tell Brett really wants to go to bed. And yeah, we'll see you soon for episode six. Break. Hey, Eric Mack here. Hope you enjoyed this super long edition of Liberally Correct. Um, We have uh, a lot more where that came from, and uh, we're only just getting started. So um, to close out this episode, we will play another song from the Roots album Game Theory from 2006. This is called Don't Feel Right.
I've been producing Natural disaster, got the planet in a panic, yo We all got to make that living Sex, drugs, murder, politics, and religion Forms of hustling Watch who you put all your trust in Worldwide, we coincide with who's suffering Who never has shit and ain't got nothing But most struggling It make you wanna run up in the motherfucking But hot zone for a piece of the cake back I can't work for it, I can certainly take that I'm fired up thinking about the payback ASAP You fuck around and be an enemy of the state black Ill, but that'll be too real for TV It's crazy when you too real to be free If you don't got no paper in the Still the CD. Listen, man, I let you know how I feel to be me. It don't feel Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.